Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by the Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock here. On a Tuesday, uh, Luke, we got uh, the, the official announcement here uh, today uh, that, uh, but they didn't. Uh, they took their time with this. I mean, this thing starts this year, uh, but have finally worked out uh, and, and agreed to the final format for the twelve-team college football playoff, uh, going with the five plus seven model, uh, where the top five highest-ranked conference champions uh, automatically make it. The top four uh, get buys uh, in that, and then the other seven uh, are the, the next seven highest-ranked uh, teams. Uh, people looking at this maybe a little surprised at what seems like a, the, the space and room that were made for non-SEC and Big Ten teams. Uh, but overall, n- not a big surprise. But, but uh, Luca, I'm kind of encouraged that they, they basically they didn't try to – wildly over tilt this thing uh, towards those two conferences at least in terms of that structure what were your your thoughts on the announcement that is made uh, official today uh i think the more the better uh, i know it's going to get to a point where there'll be too many but for right now i think more teams having the chance gets us out of these opt-outs because there were so many bowl games that were just meaningless or you have you know, Georgia, Florida State go the way it did where nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to see that 60-point blowout, and it totally uh, undermines the whole Florida State season. So I, I think they had to do something there. To me, I'd like it to keep expanding, and we take out these early games that are supposed to be warm-ups for teams. You know, in Louisville's case, do, do you want to see them play Indiana State or potentially, you know, take that game off and make the playoff structure longer if they make it? They get more games. Uh, I'd love to see that at the end of the year. So I think this is a great start. Um, what are your thoughts, man? I, I, I like that there are locks for the uh, five power conferences too. Yeah, I I like that they made it conference champions because the uh, the one uh, it's difficult to make this thing bigger, and it's difficult to make it wider and with more teams that can make it and not in some way cheapen the regular season. Because the one thing I've, I've really never wanted to have happen is there to be any incentive to just rest guys and not play them. Like that's, right. College football has been, has been free of that, and I hope it stays that way forever. And what I, the thing I didn't like about the, just the top four model uh, was the fact that you, 
conference champion being the conference champion didn't really seem to matter as much as I had hoped that it would. Only in lip service. Uh, and this, right? yeah, yeah, like they, that's right, that's right. This one at least says, hey, you might be an underdog, but if you go win that conference championship game, you you're in. Yeah, it, you're you're gonna be in. And like, imagine if Louisville had taken the field in that Florida State ACC championship game, knowing if they won. They're in the playoff, even if they weren't going to be one of the top 12 teams at the time that you were going to be in. Like th- that, that to me changes, and it saves, I think, a lot of the, well, the, the safety or the sanctity of the, uh, the regular season and the meaning of those conference championship games. Because I've always been, I've been really surprised at the willingness to kind of go around those conference championship games in the SEC in particular, sometimes Big Ten sometimes. Uh, but those championship games being worth a lot of money, and I'm like, why do you guys keep making these things not really seem like they matter that much? And this, I think, sort of breathes a little bit of life into them. What do you think? Well, also, not just you're in the field, but also because the top four get a buy, so we can kind of, I guess every year the group of five teams not going to get the automatic buy. But, like, Louisville would have had a chance not just to make the playoff, but get a hope, get a buy in the playoff, which is what – a lot of teams play for like a couple years ago k-state despite having three losses in the regular season if they go in knowing hey you win this game not only are you in the playoff you get a bye which is astronomical advantage for a lot of teams and it's the four highest ranked conference champions yes that get the bye yeah Notre Dame will never get a bye in this format good good force their hand make them try and join something you should do that with all these teams that are playing in the middle ground still getting all the benefits but yeah, I, I think you're going to ratchet up the the whole experience around these conference championships, Mark. That's something I kind of didn't take away first reading it, but it, you know, like Spence just said, if you have a chance to get a buy to put yourself in, and you're in Louisville's case, you know, not that they wouldn't go all out to win an ACC championship, but what another level? Yeah, I, I think they, you know, when the original uh, announcement came out about this 12 team playoff format, I was pleasantly surprised at how the, it seemed like they really had made kind of room for everybody uh, in some way or another. And I, I guess I'm jaded at this point that I just expect them to do whatever the hell they want. Uh, and they seem to have been a little bit more magnanimous than I was expecting uh, in that regard. Now, I don't want to be all Pollyanna here. They're pushing to get like a, a far larger part of the revenue, maybe even more than one auto bid. Uh, I would hope that they don't do that. But the more part, uh, a larger part of the revenue probably seems kind of inevitable. But it, it sort of seems like it would defeat the purpose of actually having to go win games to give a non-champion an automatic bid. Yes. I mean, I, I understand that might happen most years. Fine. But don't go out there and say that. I mean, yeah. it, you you just devalue everyone else so much. I know the S- everyone knows the SEC is great and what they've done the last, I don't know, decades it seems like. But you don't have to go put that in writing certainly they don't have to say that if that that's got to be the thing that that's the unwritten rule i guess that the sec is going to get that next spot but to make it automatic i think would totally devalue the whole thing absolutely not i mean imagine if in basketball they're like if you win your conference regular season automatically in so you don't need to even try in the conference tournament and if you win both you know you're already in anyway like look at me like you knew most years you guys were in the tournament regardless of winning the Big East, or yeah, Big East Championship, but you still went all out to win the conference championship. Oh, yeah, it was like a dress rehearsal. Uh, I knew that if we lost, we'd have to go back and practice, which I really did not want to do. <laughs> you know, the tournament <laughs> slate for a lot of teams is pretty taxing for us. I felt like, man, this is like a little week off here. 
not having to go do two a days and, and get ready. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Teams that are struggling with some injuries and they need that extra week, I could totally see them kind of packing it in and, and basically taking the conference championship week off, losing that first game, playing – you know, guys that are deep in their rotation that don't give them the best chance to win, and then going to take that time to practice and get ready and get healthy? Absolutely. You know, you're going to prioritize the NCAA tournament over conference championships no matter what. Um, we didn't have that mindset. You know, we, we approached it like your uh, pre-conference slate is one season, your conference regular season is another kind of full season, then you get into the Big East tournament, and then you get into the NCAA tournament. We just kind of approached it. We want to win each of these kind of four uh, facets of our season, if you will. I, I would hope that they don't do the extra AQ thing uh, because they should be willing to admit there might actually be years where some of your non-champions aren't actually good, right? And the, the, just like by virtue of sort of being in the league, it makes them better than teams from other leagues. I don't that that is just so counter to actually having to go out there and do it uh, that I would hope that they don't that's that invites teams I think to just sort of coast and aim for something other than the top which is what I think it's always made college football so fun is that you're desperately afraid to ever lose and I hope we never lose that yeah because it makes it so much better than there's no good losses or any of that stuff I don't want any of that in college football that's why we like it no doubt and I also think like the SEC's got to be thinking, we got to get three or four teams in this playoff. Why even have that automatic qualifier for the second team? I mean, it should be a no-brainer. It's going to be obvious. Like, Georgia would have been in a 12-team playoff. Duh. It's about, do you get another team in? And you're not going to, you know, give them automatics for multiple outside of their conference champions. So, to me, it would, it, like, what's the point? You know, you're, you're going to get now, two in if you're the SEC. Duh. Well, especially I thought this year, this is where I think that I'm afraid of Sankey and uh, what is it, Petiti, Tony Petiti for the for the Big Ten. I'm afraid of them maybe like believing their own hype in this regard uh, of of trying to make this thing entirely about them. Uh, you know, we all recognize this season that just finished had great TV ratings. And not only great TV ratings, but like just great kind of interest from from coast to coast, because there were viable Pac-12 teams uh, in this thing, because Florida State was involved uh, in the chase for at least to make the college football playoff until the very very end, uh, and that cutting that off, or at least people feeling like every year is just going to be, well, which Big Ten and SEC teams should play for the championship this year? People, I don't, I think they're wrong if they think people will want to watch that. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Um, I, I think people love that the underdog has a chance. I think, again, I'm more concerned or more thinking about how I didn't want to watch any of the other bowl games. Like they've been watered mm -hmm. down so much because of all of the opt outs. That's why I said my initial comment about more teams mm -hmm. makes me more excited. Throw some games out early on in some of these seasons that don't matter, that are usually tune-up games where these teams win by 50 if they're even in, in consideration for the college football playoffs and let them play them on the back end against you know top 12-type opponents. Uh, I would just – we have to. I don't see any way around it. For the good of college football and its future, I think you have to find a way to make the bowl games more attractive – for the student athlete so that we don't have that Florida State Georgia situation that was just 
awful to watch. It's terrible. The opt-outs, you got to do something about it. And I think even if you have a slim chance getting in a, a playoff that has you know more and more teams, you got to play more games. I get it. It's more taxing on a collision sport. I get it. But it's a heck of a lot better than what I watched the last couple of years with these you know bowl games outside the CFP. Uh, when it comes to the revenue portion of this, Luke, that part doesn't really bother me. And I, look, I say that as not an athletic director, <laughs> but that that part doesn't bother me as much for a couple of reasons. And just uh, hear me out on this. Uh, one, they already have that, right? Like they, they already have a revenue advantage. This doesn't change that. Uh, it, it, it's already exists, you know, in college football as it is, but the thing that's coming along with this is all of these teams jammed into one conference or two conferences, really uh, all of these really elite teams in the sec and the big 10, nobody at the, say the bottom of either of those leagues on kind of a regular basis is no matter what they do revenue wise is going to really have much of a chance to like elevate their programs because of this revenue, right? Like it doesn't just because you say, take Indiana or, Purdue or Rutgers or Arkansas or Kentucky or Mississippi State and just dramatically increase their revenue, it really doesn't help them make up space or make up anything in the SEC because guess what? All those other teams got it too. And then you're and you're adding OU and Texas into that league and you're adding Oregon and Washington, USC and UCLA into the Big Ten. Giving Indiana $75 million a year more than, than you're giving Louisville is not going to help Indiana get any better at football in the Big Ten because of what they also added in terms of teams. That part, would it be nice to have that? Sure. But I don't think it's going to it's going to create this situation where a bunch of Big Ten and SEC teams are just far and away better than than Louisville or, or ACC teams in the future because they've still got to play those other teams with all that money. Yeah, if I'm an ACC commissioner, though, I'm trying to get a fair share. I mean, that that's oh, $75 sure? million dollars is just such a crazy amount of money, and it's it's like a drop in the bucket when it comes to you know, some of these multi-year deals and, and how much money these college football programs make. But you just got to keep fighting. I mean, the, the SEC and the Big Ten are kind of getting um, the the weight of all these benefits in the college football playoffs and how the structure is going. It's all – it's very much tilted towards them. So everybody else, I don't know what the, the solution is, if it's to develop a, a third conference that, that's supposed to be able to compete with those guys or what, but you just got to keep scratching and clawing and fighting for every piece of it. You know, if I'm Jim Phillips, I'm going in there saying, yeah, we deserve just as much as everybody else. Uh, I did want to mention, Luke, uh, Matt Norlander, in his latest piece on CBS Sports, uh, to change gears very quickly, has two interesting little nuggets uh, in here. One, pushing for Ken Palm – Ken Pomeroy to be inducted into the basketball hall of fame for being primarily Wrong. the guy that, that really in, that introduced all of us to advanced statistics and, and the fact, the way we talk about efficiency instead of just totals and things like that. And, and I, uh, he, he quotes coaches and Jay Billis and a bunch of other people in it. And you know what? I, I think I agree with him. I love the idea. I really do. I think it's a good idea. Uh, to, to put him in there. But he also mentions, is it possible that, that Bruce Pearl might be a coaching carousel candidate at Auburn uh, of all places? How surprised are you to hear him write uh, a little bit about Bruce Pearl of all people who seems like he's got things going at Auburn? Yeah. Um, I guess first thing, um, taking a step back, 
I do think somebody like Ken Pomeroy should be considered. You know, I, I got to be honest with you, as much as I gripe about where teams are and how they're positioned in the Ken Palm index, I look at it all the time. I use it as a tool to analyze teams. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with having that tool and then disagreeing with where a team is. I think that, that my first reaction about, you know, the accuracy of it, that that's not what it's about, right? It is a tool to evaluate teams and you're totally spot on with just our ability to analyze uh, across different conferences, um, you know, the, the power five versus big East versus some of these smaller conferences and being able to compare them. Um, it, it's so much information for you just right in your face. I do think, you know, it's it's been a game changer in the way, you know, somebody from my perspective evaluates games. Um, I think that's spot on. And then uh, I'm absolutely shocked that Bruce Pearl would even be talked about in that uh, in that light. Um, I figured with the Louisville stuff that he got such a big pay raise that he'd be at Auburn for, for kind of mm. ever uh, and, unless he did something. Um, I, I'm absolutely shocked. And they're playing so well that um, I, I would imagine he's an endearing guy when he's on your side. I don't know like yeah. what the national perception of him might be like, ah, I don't like that guy or, you know, he's been um, let go at schools because he's got it. Like he's inviting kids to cookouts and stuff is why he got in trouble in one of the places. So I think he's, he's one of those where when he's on your side, you're going to cheer hard as heck for him and have his back. And um, I would think he'd want to stick at Auburn, especially with that upgraded contract. I don't have the details in front of me, but I know he got a big pay raise. Yeah, the logic from Norlander there is that the, the feeling that he uh, has stopped short of saying, like, I'm not leaving. You know, that when he's been asked about it, he's like, I've liked everywhere I've been the coach, and I've, I've liked Auburn more than anywhere. But that's all he'll say. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, and maybe he's just a good politician in that regard. He's like, done he'd this be before, a, Mark. You know, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, but he isn't stopping the 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 – the guessing or the or the proposing right like he isn't trying to shut the conversation down and these guys all know uh there's an easy way to shut it down and they almost never do uh he'd be maybe he's just being shrewd here maybe not i don't know uh, but he also talks about the fact that maybe he's trying to get some sort of uh something a, a plan worked out to where maybe his son would take over after him hmm. uh, like like what's going to happen at houston with with kelvin sampson yeah uh and that if he gets, perhaps he'd want to hit the market if he got the sense it's just not going to happen at Auburn. Uh, well, I don't know that I would want to offer that, for God's sake. But if that makes him want to look around, like maybe you could convince him it's not going to happen anywhere and then you could get him to come here. Yeah, man, that's interesting. I don't know if an AD would ever go, like, you're not going to put that in writing. That might be an unspoken thing, and you may build a great relationship with an AD that's been there for a really long time. But, man, that would be really tough. Um you know, when I start to think about the landscape of where college basketball is right now, if you're a great coach, why would you close the door right now? All right, let's think about some things. Ohio State just fired Chris Holtman. Uh, Michigan is on the outs, certainly, with Jawan Howard. Yeah. Uh, Louisville, we know about. Um, yep. It seems like Kentucky fans want Cal out yesterday. And he certainly seems frustrated with the reception of being good, but maybe not great at times this season. Um, that's weighing on him, without a doubt. A job like UCLA, maybe not the lore that it was before, but they got lots of money, uh, hence Mick Cronin's $20 million buyout. 
there are just a lot of moving pieces. Rodney Terry's just gotten a, a kind of new deal with Texas. There, there are so many massive, massive jobs that could come up here in the very near future. If you're Bruce Pearl, I think it's a very smart move on his part to say, man, I love this place, but my love has to match up with dollars and it has to all make sense. I think that's really smart on his part. Um, you know, getting a new contract a couple years ago is one thing, but the type of jobs that could potentially be open next year are the, the jobs in college basketball. You add Duke and Carolina and that's all of them. Yeah, I would, I would listen. Louisville doesn't come open that often. Uh, and people recognize, Hey, this is a place with a freaking NBA arena and people are basketball crazy. Uh, I don't think Louisville's going to, I think this time here's the requisite uh, language. Should the job open up soon, which we all expect to happen soon, that they would have a, a more receptive audience than they had a couple of years ago when there were a lot more things that were kind of up in the air. Uh, the next person that, w- that were to come in here, th- there's nothing hanging over them at all except for just the fact that they haven't been good the last couple of years. Yeah, I think the only, the only thing you really got to worry about is when you walk in here, you got to embrace the portal. Like if you want to build it slow and you want to talk about it's going to take time to build – I think that is just the wrong message. Somebody's got to come in here with the sense of urgency that says, you know, we may not be great year one, but you'll see the building blocks. And in year two is our takeoff time. That's so much easier said than done. It's so hard to win in college basketball. And in my position, like being able to talk to coaches that haven't gotten it done, who have been fired and their knowledge and love and work ethic around the game, you just see how incredibly tough it is to win. But I think somebody's got to come in here and talk about winning immediately. Talk about the guys that they can bring in immediately. And you also got to have thick skin. You got to be able to handle the media here because I think it's it's not talked about enough that the job is tough because there's no pro teams in this state. That you are the show. And that good, bad, and different, you're treated like a pro team. You got to be able to answer for really everything you do. Yeah, I think Bruce is uh, – Taylor made for something like that. Like I think he would see that sort of thing as uh, as something to be used, something to be harnessed, and not something to be resented, right? Like uh, I've always hated that. I think Chris, unfortunately, I think it's where Chris Mack kind of missed the boat too. The the fan attention and the uh, the, the call in shows and media and all that sort of thing. People crave that stuff. It's to be used. And Rick, I thought, always got that right. And Denny always got that right. Uh, this is my way to sort of be connected to y'all uh, and, and to ratchet up the support and connection and all that sort of thing. Bruce Pearl, no problem with any of that. Like he yeah. walks in the door knowing out of the park, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, that would be a huge check. Uh, I would totally agree with you there. How, how you handle the media and how you use the media. Um, I just remember you've told me this, like right before I got here and even during my redshirt year, people talking about Coach Patino's lost it. To, to even yeah. like, I, I, when you're playing, you're not listening to sports talk radio like that. But I, I was so disconnected from that. I, I never even that thought would have never crossed my mind. But that's how it is. And, and um, you got to be able to come in and shape your own narrative, use the media. I don't know about the hyperbole with Rick Pitino. We know it's been on full display lately. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had a lot of those moments over the years. But um, you also know who Rick is. Right. And you got to take some of the things that's he right. says with a grain of salt. But he did use the media. That's for sure. Hey, I will say in Rick's defense, you know, we kind of gave him a little bit of a hard time yesterday uh, while recognizing he does what he does uh, in terms of talking and all that sort of thing. Uh, He did come back today 
and talk uh, today about how I messed this up. You know, I, I think when Rick is mad, he can be like the problems are out there. And then when he's in a more calm state of mind, he can he's more reflective. I watched him blow up at Jason Anderson and then two days later apologize to Jason in front of everybody. Uh, you should have seen I've him in seen practice. Him. He, <laughs> you didn't get the no apologies in practice? No, no apologies at all. But he sure would blow up on you. Like uh, today, I mean, in, in talking with, uh, I think with the with the New York Post, said uh, it like I'm not keeping myself uh, from accountability here. Uh, he said I don't give myself high grades at all because we're losing. Like like he he was a little harsher on himself today. You know, when, when, when he reflects the second time, he does sort of come back a little closer to normal. Never all the way. He is what he is. Yeah, he but he did at least try to sort of come back and bring it back. Yeah, he can bring it back closer to center. I mean, jumping in a lake and wanting to die of hypothermia, you know, in the moment in the press <laughs> conference, probably not the best choice of words, but he does find a way to kind of bring it back around. And, you know, again, the era of college basketball and the fact that, you know, he's a great recruiter. Um, he's got a lot of cachet and he, he, you know, him being the guy who's coached all these greats and won championships, it brings guys in, but it takes time to be able to deal with coach P in my opinion. Like, I think my red shirt year was so valuable for me because I, number one, I've always told you this, Mark, like learning what not to do, the, the type mm. of things that were like no fly zone, you are on his, his list. If you're, if you're doing these kind of things, um, that was so impactful for me. And then also, um, it was good and bad because redshirt year, I got yelled at. You know, everybody gets yelled at, but it, it wasn't the same as the type of, of you know, yelling and, and just the way he, he gets his message across during games. So I, I kind of felt like, oh, it's my redshirt year. I can handle it great. But it was such another level when you're actually playing out there and, and the shots against you that are going in matter. Um, it, it was kind of twofold there. It's good at times, but also – I wasn't expecting it to be ratcheted up the way it was. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk with one of those successful coaches, Jeff Walls, on the other side here, on the drive on 90 Thunderville. Be right back. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. 
time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock, happy to be joined by Jeff Walls, head coach of the Louisville women's basketball team. Jeff, thank you so much uh, for making time for us here. Are you chopping anything, anything we need to be knowing about while you're talking to us right now, or are we good? No, we're we're good. We're good. I've I've still got a few more to to get through out front, so I'm sure my na- my neighbors will be excited when when I do finish. So, all right, l- let's uh, let's talk about uh, Virginia Tech uh, on Sunday. Uh, if we must, uh, we can. But uh, just takeaways from that one. I obviously palpable frustration with the defensive side of the ball. How much of that was you guys? How much of that was them? Well, I. We uh, we did not play well. I mean, that's, there there's no secret to that. Uh, but you have to give them a ton of credit because they're an extremely talented basketball team. Uh, Amor and Kitley are two of the best uh, guard post tandems in the country, and we we needed to play at our best and didn't. And you know, then on top on top of that, we had a couple times where. We were making a little bit of a run, got it down to 10, and had two wide-open threes in the same possession after an offensive rebound and, and, and couldn't convert it. In games like that, you've got to be able to make those shots. Uh, so there was a lot of film uh, that we went through during our practice today uh, trying to make sure we understand if, if you want to compete at the highest your energy and your attention to detail has to be there. Coach, I know losing any time hurts, but this is a team you could very likely see soon in a conference tournament. Where, where do you get confidence, hey, we can attack them doing this? I know you had a lot of steals in the game and, like you said, a lot of offensive rebounds. Well, I mean, we scored the ball. I mean, I'm not concerned about that. We just have to stop them. I mean, we scored uh, 70 points again. And, you know, I shared with our, our kids today and – the 17 years that I've been here were 329 and 30 when we score 70. Wow. So uh, that's always been a number offensively that we've shot for. Knowing if we defend at all, we, we, we've got a pretty darn good shot at winning that game. But unfortunately, we didn't. So that's the area that we went through because you're, you're not going to stop them completely. They're too good. Uh, Amor, like I said, is a fantastic at the so point. Good. And Kitley, yeah. when she's shooting that fadeaway off the back foot, guys, there's, there's, there, it, it's hard to yeah. stop it. And we went and doubled and tried different things. Um, but it's the other one where we pinched in on a ball side drive. We, we give up a three. Because we had talked to them. We, we didn't feel that they could make enough twos to beat us. And we give up ten threes. So that's the area of the game that we have to improve on. Uh, Jeff, you talked in the in the postgame some about missing threes and not just like totals, 
but in those places where it was a chance to kind of cap off some stops. You know, you get stops on the defensive end, you come down and miss some some wide open threes that, that really would have just provided the psychological kind of boost there in those moments. The crowd was kind of begging for it, and you never really got them to fall. What can you do about that sort of thing to maybe be able to capture a few more of those moments in games like that? Well, we just got to get, get in the gym. I mean, it's what it comes down to. I mean, it's repetition. It's, it's working on your shot. It's making sure that you put the time in the gym so when that opportunity presents itself, you, you, you're ready for it. What do you want to see from your team in the, in the next four games as you start to close out the regular season, Coach? Well, we're going to have to compete. I mean, we're looking at a Georgia Tech team on Thursday – Who's six and nine in the league? They finished with us at their place, Wake Forest, and then at Miami. They're playing that they if they win all three, they have a chance to put themselves in the tournament. So they're they're going to be playing with a lot of urgency. For us, I think we have to win three of our next four in order to have a really really good shot of hosting the first and second round of the NCAA tournament. So there, there's a lot at stake for both teams, and our energy and our efforts going to have to be at, at, at the highest. We're talking with Jeff Walls here on the drive on 90th the Bell. Jeff, what's your, your sense of how the, the team is handling this? Uh, great environment. You know, like you said, you scored on the offensive end probably well enough I feel like you could have won and then struggled on the defensive end is it lingering do you, were they eager to sort of get back at it how what are you you're assessing how they've they've handled this so far what do you think well that's the one great thing about playing the, the, this sport I mean if you let it hang on for for, for too long it, it's going to be a problem so we're right already back focused on Georgia Tech so we'll practice tomorrow fly down and it's, it's game day. So uh, we're, we're going to find out in, in a hurry, but I did like their approach today at practice. As a player, I love that you get the chance to go out there and, and correct it. You get to write it uh, pretty quick. Um, you know, Coach, I, I was wondering if it would be harder or easier with, with the kind of the new landscape of college basketball, having a lot of new players on your team to be able to handle tough stretches during the regular season and kind of amping yourself up for the conference tournament. Do you think it's it's easier in the old days when you had players that were there for multiple years or now you have talent from kind of all over and, and they got to refresh quick? you think it's a little bit tougher in this environment? Uh, I don't think it's all that much tougher. I mean, you know, I still go back. Uh, you know, if you look at our schedule right now, we've, you know, we're three and three over the last six, but you take out a screw-up at Syracuse by someone besides a basketball player <laughs> and we're four and two, yeah. you, you know, so there's, there's things I look at and I'm like, we played pretty darn good basketball over the last six. We should be four and two, but there was a call outside of our control. But at the end, at the end of the day, we're still three and three. So at Georgia tech and then come back here for Virginia at home. I think this is a really big week for us. Would love to fit, figure out a way to get two wins and then have Miami at home on senior night. I mean, have Florida State at home on senior night and finish up at Notre Dame. 
Where, who are you looking at uh, player-wise to sort of step up here? Like, who, who do you feel like we got to get more out of you? Maybe one or two players. Like, if, if you start giving us more of what you're capable of, it will help the team the most. Well, offensively, like, like I said, I, you know, we've got to make some open shots. The defensive end of the floor is where we have to get better. So that's where I'm challenging our group as a whole. It's not just one individual. It's team defense, our help side. It's knowing your rotations, knowing your matchups. That's where we have to improve. Coach, I, I little bit of a, a change of subject here, but the Champions Classic is something I look forward to every year. How excited were you to be announced that you're going to be part of that group? And, and did you know for a while or that it was in the works? Yes, we have known, known for a while. And we know who, who we're playing. They'll just come out and make that announcement here uh, in the next week or so. But we're, we're really excited about the opportunity. It's great for our kids. We'll, we'll get a chance to go up and play in the Barclays Center in New York, which will be fun for them. So it's, it's four really good teams, and no matter who we're playing, when they announce it, it's going to be great basketball. What do you what do you enjoy most about those those events like that, especially ones kind of early in the season? Do you like those? Just sort of like finding out like right off the bat, hey, this is where it feels like we are. Uh, the, the like, what is it about those that you feel like you really benefit from? Well, I mean, I think it's great getting the opportunity to pull, you know, the com- the competition who we're going to play, and then of course on top of that, just the experiences that your players get. Uh, you know, for, for a lot of them, it's, it's going to be the first for first time playing up in, in New York City. Uh, we'll go in a day or two early, give them a chance to, to do some sightseeing, see, see some things. Uh, you know, a lot of them have, have never seen up, up in the city. So we're always trying to win basketball games. That's first and foremost. But, you know, the, uh, the other part of our job is try, trying to give players experiences that they haven't had. Um, which then will give them uh, a, a broader appreciation of what's out there and what's available to them. Yeah, I think it's a great uh, honor, and it's going to be a great showcase for you and your program. Uh, Coach, thank you very much for the time today. I just want to tell you, you're, you handle the season's ups and downs so well. You know, My old coach, Rick, is mm-hmm. talking about wanting to jump in a freezing pond and that he's not having any fun, but I've always loved the way you, you handle the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, even talking about uh, maybe not right after the game, but talking about Syracuse and, and kind of getting a, a raw deal up there uh, just a few minutes ago. It's, I've always loved that about you, Coach. Well, I appreciate it. I just don't tell you that I normally come home and drink a whole bunch after a walk. <laughs> So, you know, by about 6.30 on Sunday, I thought we had won. So, we're all good. No, I'm, I'm teasing, guys. I sure appreciate it. Be good and uh, hope, hope to see everybody out on, on Sunday, noon game versus Virginia here at home. Another rocking environment for you, Coach. I hope so. Good luck. Yep. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate that. Good stuff uh, from him, as always. Uh, man, I look forward to that every time, whether they win or whether they lose. Because sometimes with coaches, Luke, uh, you'd oh, be yeah. surprised that, that when they lose, like this is not very fun. When they lose, it sometimes it's even more fun. With Coach Walls, you know, he's one of those guys yeah. that you're never really intimidated to talk to him about it because he has such great perspective. And you yeah. know, keep in mind, 
that game against Virginia Tech, I know Louisville would have had to play really well to win that game, but that, that kind of mathematically eliminates them from getting a share of the ACC title. So I, I know that one hurts, but just having the right mindset, what's up next? Let's go tackle the next uh, next thing in our way here. Like you said, three out of four is their next focus to uh, to be able to host. And, um, you know, I've, I've always enjoyed these conversations too. Yeah, as a as a coach, kind of a uh, like a two sides of a coin here, and that's why I kind of wanted to start it off the conversation with them. Like, you play a team that shoots sixty two percent from the field in the game. Yeah. yeah, you can be mad at your own defense, but if you watch the game, like man, they made a lot of shots too. Some nights it's like, good lord, can we, can you just make it fair here? This is um, not like a spiteful knock, and I know a lot of Louisville fans will feel that way, but. Georgia Amor is a better version of Haley Van Lith. Like they're going to get drafted probably next to each other. I mean, for five, six, five, seven guards. I, I'm such a big fan of Georgia and the way she is as a teammate. And it's like she has all the competitiveness of of HVL, but is so much more composed and and plays off her teammates in such a great way to to get them involved and still be in scoring mode. I'm just really impressed. And and like you said, Liz Kitley. When she's starting to hit shots and she's got all the tricks in the bag, uh, that that combo, that tandem, really tough to beat. And I, their coach is awesome too. I can see why people, uh, why his girls like playing for him, Coach Brooks. Um, they, they've just done a great job. Yeah, the ACC, I tell you, uh, has grown on the, the women's side, has improved more than any other sport I can think of since Louisville joined the ACC. The women's basketball side, we didn't talk about nc state like we are now we didn't talk about virginia tech like we are now yep. you know notre dame and, and louisville uh, like we knew them but like some of these programs have really elevated things uh miami certainly i think is, is a bit better than when louisville first joined the league Syracuse? as well and see, that's right that's absolutely and they've endured you know they had kind of the controversial coaching change and all that stuff and they have weathered that uh notre dame has weathered uh the turnover of a of an all-timer of a coach whether we like her or not they, they have <laughs> Uh, it, it's a it's a far better league than it's really a, it's as good as we had hoped the men's uh, side would be, and it has seen that way too. Whether the, the you know, our view of the men's side is is fair or not, uh, the perception of the of the league has also grown in people's eyes. Oh, no doubt, and you know, Coach Walls mentioned it. If you're talking about a team like Georgia Tech and saying, "Hey, they got to win some games here, but they could have a chance at making the tournament," they're 15 and 12, six and nine in conference. And he's talking about them having a chance and that they're going to come into this game hungry. Now, that speaks to the strength of the league. Um, you know, the ACC on the men's side, I think it's five legit teams are in. Um, but you have a couple teams that are making some noise here to hopefully get to six. The, the just conversation around the league as a whole, definitely a lot more uh, positive, upbeat on the women's side, certainly. You know, on the, the to go back to men's college basketball, uh, no doubt uh, that one of the – weirder things about this season is the coaches that we can almost always kind of count on their teams being good to really good uh really kind of floundered uh some this year muscleman i think is probably maybe the ultimate example yeah. of a guy that like we have a really high view of him uh and he's he didn't do anything different than he's done other years and they're really struggling uh this year uh, but in the acc even jim laranaga like that was a team coming off the of final four uh, largely a, a team that's been intact, and and they, they have they've really struggled relative to the expectations uh, that we all had for them this year. Rick's, you know, this is his worst first team 
you know, the one that's made, I think, kind of the, the least of a, of a leap in year one under him. What do you make of that, that maybe some, some coaches that we look at as kind of uh, we can count on them no matter what to have a certain kind of team not being able to deliver that this year? What do you think is different? Well, I think some coaches in new spots. I think um, the evaluation uh, is tough. You know, I, I think some of these teams are just in totally different situations, right? Like you look at Mick Cronin and you look at Musselman. Oh, that's you, another one, Mick Cronin. Yeah, Mick Cronin. I mean, early on, they were losing games by 50 points in conference to like, I mean, Utah's pretty good, but they're not like that. Um, right. Yeah, you know, early on, I was like, this is an absolute disaster. He's trying to get fired midseason. This is so bad. He went out and had to get a bunch of foreign guys. He's got a very young team where Musselman, you know, I had multiple coaches tell me that Arkansas is messing it up for everybody with how they're doing NIL, with the, with the basically bidding on players. And to be yeah. honest, they went out and they just misevaluated a lot of guys. And you can start with L. Ellis. If you pull his stats, we'll pull them right now. Uh, I did this maybe a couple weeks ago. And, you know, L. Ellis, for what he was averaging. He's had whole games he doesn't play. Exactly. I mean, the, the minutes have just fallen off a cliff uh, for L. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not shocked. Um, I saw him play last year, and I thought he was inefficient. Um, I thought that he was so prone to turnovers playing the point guard spot was not going to be good for him. Um, I thought if he was in a two-guard role where his only job was to stay in attack mode, that he might be able to to find a system that would work. But, you know, for a guy to take a big bag of money, and I know he got a big bag of money uh, to average six points, two rebounds, uh, shooting 36% from the field, it's just uh, it's a far cry from the production of last year. And, you know, it shows you the grass isn't always greener. I know the situation at Louisville was what it was. But um, a lot of these guys who transferred out – it, you, fit is so important, and I think they, that so many guys just go take the check. And mm. they may have gone out there and individually gotten great players, Arkansas, but they didn't mesh these guys well together. Uh, he's one of those coaches that doesn't seem like he's having fun. And I'll just tell you this, you want to talk about ratcheting up the pressure? If you are in a situation where you're given all the resources, you know, I'm not going to say blank check, but might as well. You know, he's, he's got one of the bigger payrolls in college basketball, right? Well, if they're giving you that kind of support and you're not winning, you're not going to be around long doing it like that. If they're going to give you every resource and you can write checks to whatever player you want and they're just going to get it done for you, you got to deliver. And that means delivering right away. So, um, like I said, you can see Muslims just not having fun right now with Arkansas. And I would imagine if I'm the booster that's, that's fitting the bill for all these – yeah, I want to see better. Do you think Muss might do like all of Satterfield was like he tries to get out ahead of the, the problem and just tries to find a landing spot somewhere else in college basketball? You know, I, I think that if I'm in a situation like Musselman and I have support, right, why not just go try again? If they're going to give you the blank checks again, you got to do a better job of going to find those guys that are make, can make the impact on your program. Um you know, I, I just think they did a poor job of finding guys that can mesh together. You want to, like every team in the country, you want to be able to keep the core that's going to push your team forward and the guys that are problems, the guys that aren't working hard enough, the guys that don't fit with what your team is trying to do, get them out of there. The portal is is such a crazy tool. And the fact that one-time transfer is a joke, like that doesn't happen, I, mm. I just think you go hit the portal and and you reload. And if I have a blank check anywhere, I'm probably not going anywhere if that makes sense. Like, I wouldn't want to go to UCLA if I'm Musselman and maybe get a more prolific job and maybe make more money if I don't have the same resources I have at Arkansas. 
that's my take. But, um, you know, every coach is talking about every coach that doesn't have the resources. They are publicly and loudly talking about it in press conferences that, you know, this guy just that, that program has more money than me. That's why they got better players. That's where we're at. How many times you heard that this year? Way too many. A lot, right? So I, I don't know if I'm uh, leaving. What was it? Uh, what did Stoop, uh, Pony Up, right? Isn't that what Mark yeah. Stoop said? Yeah. I, I mean, my advice to these coaches, like, say that to your AD. Say that to the head of your collective. When your players are going to see that and hear that, that's a bad idea. That is not. That just cannot be a positive thing for your program if you're like, yeah, we need more money because the players I got stink. You don't do that midseason. Bad look. Would you... What about Rick doing that? Uh, not not about the money part, but blowing up the guys sort of had, that he had there. Yeah, has we know who Rick is, and we know hyperbole is a, a big thing with him. You know, uh, I'm the greatest offensive player college basketball has ever seen. Uh, Mike Mara is the greatest shooter of all time. Um, he wants to go get hypothermia and jump in the the frozen pond after a loss. Uh, this is the least enjoyable experience of his life. Uh, yeah, you know, tomorrow he's going to be like, yeah, this isn't that bad. You know, let me go get a glass of wine and a nice dinner. I'll be all right. <laughs> you uh, live in New York City. You're yeah, not going to earn for money. And and think about his road, like to where you are now. Um, I know he's a competitor, but he'll step back. I'm actually going to see him on Sunday. I'm going to the uh, Creighton game at uh, Madison Square Garden. So I'm fired up about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's coach. And you know exactly who he is. He's been the same guy. He's going to have all kinds of hyperbole. In the uh, in the press conference, the media loves it, and he the, he makes a lot of headlines with that. But um, day in and day out, he's a competitor. He brings that mindset, and that's why he's one of the greatest. Um, again, you just got to know kind of what you're getting into with Coach P. I feel like I loved uh, today at the press conference that he that he gave following up uh, on yesterday. And some of his quotes, I think I saw in the New York Post, where he basically just said it out loud. He's like, "Look, man, I motivate through the media. What do you want from me?" Like I, I just kind of. <laughs> I like that he he just owned it straight up uh, out loud there. Uh, he yeah, that's better than strikes me at, at that point. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I would, I would rather uh, him. I'm just telling him. you what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, what I like, uh, and I'm watching with him, is you, you know you work with a man who at the tail end of his career, very clearly I think kind of reached the point where he's like, I really don't care how you feel about what I say, and Jim Behan. And I wonder if Rick's not getting close to the point where he's like, I don't even really have to walk this back. I'm just going to say what I want to say. I don't have to think about the long term anymore. Yeah, I mean, I just think back to all the stuff he said in in these press conferences. And I just I, honestly, I laughed because I know coach and I know, you know, he's going to go in the next day and they're going to have a good practice and everything's going to be fine. Uh, this is just kind of who he is. You know, with Coach Beheim, when you're you know at the same place for 40 plus years, I would think that would give you some some different level of security. Uh, but I'm glad Coach feels comfortable with with St. John's. Um, anytime he says, you know, this is it for me, this is where I want to be, this is where I'm going to end my career, I'm like, all right, well, how long till he moves? But with this one, um, <laughs> you know, and how long he's he's been in the game, his age, uh, he's obviously still competitive to that level, but. Um, I think St. John's is his last stop, and I don't think he's trying to, you know, get himself ousted or anything like that with uh, with boosters or, you know, the administration or anything. I think it's just who coach is, and you got to know that when you hire the guy. Yeah, and I think it's been indicative, or it's been it's happened really kind of across college basketball uh, with more roster turnover. And I think shorter-term evaluations of a lot of guys uh, that you get more boom and bust stuff. We've seen good teams get blown out a lot this year. Good teams struggle like we've never seen. All that stuff. Uh, 
Uh, that is uh, going to do hour number two here. Take a quick break. We'll be right back here on the drive on the Thunderbolt.